And then the big piece of it as well on the state side is ratcheting way back the, the lifetime exemption amount for, for states. That's uh, currently, you know, $11.56 million right now. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. The 2021 busy season just got busier for tax professionals. Working through the results of the recent election, new tax provisions resulting from an ongoing pandemic, and more, business owners will have to be prepared to look at things a little differently in the year ahead. Today, Chris Axine, the principal on Ray's federal tax team, is going to explain what accountants and tax pros are working through today, what businesses can expect going forward, and how to plan for these changes. Welcome to Unsuitable, Chris. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good. Good to have you back, as always. Yep. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, you're uh, you're catching up to Joe. I think is the uh, the most frequent guest here. You're going to win the Alec Baldwin Award, and uh, as he does for SNL, I think for the the most most number of times hosting. Fantastic! I assume there's a suitable uh, prize for that. Yes, yes, Maybe a, an unsuitable prize. A, a round of golf and a, and a glass of bourbon with said uh, host here. So that that's Cheers. your prize. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Yes, me too. Enough of this. But speaking of enough of something, gosh, it it seems like from a tax perspective, the thing that we have to get used to right now is change, right? Be be flexible and no matter what what it is today, it's going to change tomorrow. Is that is that kind of the theme we're we're under at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and quite frankly, you know, I this is I think my 26th year of of practicing and you know, I'm not sure my memory might be a little fuzzy, but it feels like maybe the first 10 years, the change didn't quite happen as frequently. And then, you know, the last 16, it's, you know, the, that, that's, it, that's what you expect. It, the, the, you know, the, the fact that something might stay the same for more than, you know, 18 months is just unheard of. So you just, you just understand that what, what the rules are, you know, for this filing season are likely going to be different a year from now. It's crazy. I'm no, uh, obviously no tax expert. I know enough to be dangerous basically to is when I need to come and find you and, and get the real expert involved. But it just seems like to that point, you know, we've got so many more provisions that change abruptly or sunset or all these different things that are that are written in it's the tax code is being used more and more i guess for policy it seems to me than it ever has been is that your your thought as well it is and and particularly when you have you know more liberal progressive government that feels that that's the answer to how we solve issues that we have in our society then then they're going to use 
you know, the, the levers that they have access to, to accomplish that. And, you know, the reality is, is how we raise revenue is via taxes, you know, first and foremost. And so the, the code is, is then used, uh, you know, to, to incentivize the areas, you know, where they want to do that and, and penalize, you know, the other areas where, where they need to raise the money on to pay for, you know, what, what they want government to provide. Yeah, it's always a balance and and never one that satisfies everybody, that's for sure. That's right. Well, what about coming into uh, 2021 tax season here when this uh, airs will we'll be in March, obviously in the in the thick of it. So, what uh, what should we know coming into this this tax season? Well, so 2020 COVID, lots of legislation passed, you know, temporary provisions, you know, through the tax code and, and outside of the tax code that to help, you know, to help our the citizens out. And so there's uh, obviously the, the big thing are the stimulus payments, so to speak, or the economic rebates, the various things that they've been called. And there have been a couple rounds of those that have gone out and, you know, and there was a, a process to try to get the money in the hands of the people as quick as possible. And of course, it when you're you're talking about the scale of of that kind of rollout, it 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 doesn't happen on the flip of a coin and very efficiently. And and so you know, lots of people got some money, and they, but they may not have gotten ultimately you know as much as as they will when they file their 2020 tax returns as individuals. And that's where ultimately this will all shake out. Is is the various payment amounts will be treated as an item on your 2020 return, and then and then you subtract out what you've already received. And if you, for whatever reason, didn't get as much as you were entitled to, then it'll be refundable credit when you file your tax return. In some cases, could be you you could have received more than you were entitled to. Hopefully, that's a, a rare instance, but the guidance where you know is. Uh, if that if you fall into that bucket, then you don't have to give it back. You got a, a freebie from from the rest of us. Yeah, and of course the the PPP, you know, for our, our business owners. I mean, I think everybody was all over that, and you know that that will not be treated as as taxable income. There was obviously some consternation about that for a while, but they did finally change that in in the CAA. So you know you've got a you've got a big windfall there, and then. You know all the the various things with employee retention credits and all these different business provisions uh, as well. Any any other major updates that that are kind of at least more semi permanent to to tax provisions that we saw that'll have an impact for for twenty one. Yeah, so certainly uh, the CAA did some extensions of things that you know are perennially on an extension list. For, for tax benefits, credits, et cetera. A couple of the, the big ones, Congress have been playing with the, uh, the deduction for medical expenses, which is claimed as an itemized deduction. And they had raised the, the floor on uh, how much you can deduct or said another way is uh, the first dollar that you can deduct, you know, the floor above that amount where you get a deduction is good. Had gone up for a couple of years and then it retroactively or temporarily been reduced back to what it used to be, which is seven and a half percent of your AGI, uh, which is a number from the front part of your first page of your tax return. 
So, you know, if your AGI was $100,000 and, and for a while there, there was, it was supposed to go to 10%. So you'd have a $10,000, basically the first 10,000 of medical expenses wouldn't be deductible. And then anything over that would be, they've uh, had temporarily brought that back down to seven and a half percent. And then with the CAA passed here at the end of uh, 2020, they permanently, you know, extended that back to the seven and a half percent. So that's good, particularly those that, uh, you know, have uh, here in 2020 and, and going forward that are at risk for health issues because of COVID and uh, other underlying conditions that, you know, that they're, they're going to be spending money on, on health care for. So that, that was good. What else is, is out there? You know, some of the tax credits for businesses, the work opportunity tax credit is a big one that, you know, because of the, the cost, it's hard for them to make it permanent. And unfortunately, they didn't make it permanent this time, but they did kick their can down the road a couple more years than, than the typically one to two year patches we've had in the past. And so now it's good through the end of 2025. And so that kind of lines up with some of the uh, the bulk of the tax reform changes that happened in, in 2017, because those are set to expire effectively at the end of 2025 as well. Yeah, so so most of those provisions from that that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, right? A lot of them, as you said, sunset in 2025. You know, it's it's hard to think about that far ahead, but yet here we are in, in 2021, right? And where do we think maybe the 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 Biden plan will fall or this administration? what they may try to address. We've, we've heard some lofty goals, obviously, through campaign time and all that. I don't necessarily buy in that, that all those are even uh, achievable or, or certainly desired by any means. But where do we think, realistically, some of this stuff may, may fall and how might that impact some of those provisions as we, we get closer to that date? Yeah, so just uh, to maybe step back a little bit, the tax reform hack, Act that it was passed at the end of 17, you know, was one of those hopefully once in a, you know, in a career type of things uh, in terms of the scope and breadth of the various code provisions that were impacted both on the individual side and on the corporate side. Uh, the corporate provisions at that point in time were permanent, while, as, as you said, the individuals were not permanent and are set to expire at the end of 2025. All tax legislation is only as good as tax law is only as good as the next Congress that changes it. And, and so that's where we are. And, and what I found in the course of the time that I've been practicing as a CPA is the all the the old tricks that go out of fashion because the tax law changes ultimately seem like they come back around. It's like fashion, you wait, right? <laughs> got to wait five or 10 years and then, you know, go in your drawer and pull it back out to, you know, to say, oh, this is what we did, you know, when the tax law used to be this. And to case in point, you know, the Biden administration, they have some some goals and things that they want to incentivize and, and to help the middle class. And, you know, I, I think I agree it, it will it will be rain to be seen just simply because of the the tenuous control they have on the Senate. It's basically a one vote, you know, margin and as to what they can ultimately pass. But on the individual side, basically President Biden wants to go back to 
a lot of the tax law that existed when he was vice president under President Obama. So we'd have a top tax rate of 39.6% on the individual side. There would be a limit on itemized deductions for, for higher income individuals. And right now he has that defined as anybody that makes 400,000 and above. And then on the corporate side, you have uh, the, of course, the Tax Reform Act, we had a flat rate of 21%, which was nice. That uh, he has proposed that he would like to increase that to 28%. And then, um, you know, adjust some other things in terms of deductions um, that would effectively increase corporate tax rate beyond 28%. And then the big piece of it as well on the state side is ratcheting way back the, the lifetime exemption amount for, for states. That's uh, currently you know $11.56 million right now. That's scheduled to sunset at the end of uh, 2025. But he'd pull it back to more or less what it was under his administration uh, as vice president, where it was uh, 3.5 million and a, and a 45% tax rate. And then the kind of the nuance, the new thing here is, is he's proposing to eliminate the um, step up in basis mm. for inherited property. And so, you know, that that's remains to be seen what will happen, but to tie it back, the, the tax planning that we did when the, you know, when the estate exemption was a million dollars or $3 million and AB trusts and slats and all those things went out of, you know, we didn't need them anymore when the exemption God, was no. 11.5. <laughs> it's probably all coming back. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, and, and so the question that in conversations with clients is in planning, right? Well, how can you plan in this kind of environment when right. there's so much uncertainty and and you know, if and when Congress passes something under Biden's plan, is it going to be prospective or retro, you know, active? And, you know, the answer to that is who knows? You know, the Tax Reform Act that happened in 2017 was prospective. So it was the first effective 118. You know, I suspect if we're still dealing with COVID and, and people are hurting and unemployed and and so I, I suspect that to do something retroactive, I would hope that there would be members of Congress that wouldn't, you know, go for that. Yeah. You know, if, if they get on board with, with implementing changes, that they'd make it effective 1-1 one, one of uh, 22. I tend to think you're right. I think there's, two, you know, a couple of reasons for that moderation. Obviously, said that, the you know, the slim margins in Congress, so you've got to appeal to some degree, to those uh, middle-of-the-road congressmen and women on both sides of the aisle to get that support through the middle. And then, as you said, that you know, the, there's still portions of the economy which are suffering mightily. And that's, you know, that's the concern that, that I have as we see, you know, if anything, this, this greater bifurcation here between, you know, kind of the, the haves and the have-nots, who's recovered, doing well, who's not, and I'm not sure that tax policy is the best place to try to fix all of those things, right. you know. Right. Um, it, it is interesting. And then and then you get in the weeds and you see some of this stuff like, well, they're talking about eliminating the, the 1031 exchange. You know, I have a lot of commercial real estate type clients and obviously they're, you know, they're concerned about that. It would, you know, do, wreak havoc on, on their industry. I, I just can't imagine we'd see really, really wholesale changes like that. Can you? 
Well, in the end, it probably comes down to the lobbyists and, mm-hmm. and real estate has a good lobby. Uh, you know, historically, you know, the you mentioned the 1031. That's that's something that's generally perceived rightly or wrongly to benefit the well-to-do who, you know, can invest in those kind of properties. And and so, you know, we'll I guess we'll see. One of the other interesting thing that's is in Biden's proposal, which could have an impact and, and maybe in a similar way is the whole retirement savings and mm-hmm. how it currently functions on a pre-tax basis, uh, you know, for a 401k type plan that, you know, the, the higher tax bracket you're in, the, the more you get a benefit out of, you know, the pre-tax contributions to your retirement plan, because it's not taxed today, it's taxed down the road when you pull it out. And what they want to do with that is get rid of the pre-tax methodology, instead give you a credit on your tax return for retirement contributions that you make. And that credit would be uh, basically, the details still coming out, but but it, at, uh, I guess worst case, it would be a, a flat percent that mm-hmm. would apply to everybody, regardless of what your income level was. And so to kind of benefit, level the playing field on on who's you know, benefiting the benefit of that. So, yeah, that would of course throw all of the, that, you know, the retirement plans and all of that uh, into the muck as well. We've seen certainly Roth type of that. That's been more prolific in recent years and much, many more companies have a provision to allow that kind of, you know, after tax contribution and, and all of that. So gosh, I'd hate to be on the, you know, benefit planning side. Right. Sorry, sorry for our folks who do (laughs) Paul and the rest of that team. Oh gosh, what about from an individual note? I've seen uh, a lot of this fraud stuff already. You know, we're early on in tax season. What What are you noticing there? Is that due to all this COVID and and the extra benefits and things that are being thrown out there? What's going on? Yeah. So a lot of what we're seeing. At the at the state level is the um, unemployment compensation fraud, mm. and and this is seems to be prevalent regardless of what state you're in. But certainly here in Ohio, the Ohio Department of Jobs and Family Services is is, is aware that there are that they've mailed 1099s to people for benefits that they never applied for and didn't get. Somebody else got it apparently. And, and so the IRS is in the loop on this and there's been some guidance that uh, that has been issued out there. And, and so we've got thought leadership on this topic. And so if you're somebody listening to the podcast and you've received a 1099 from the Ohio Department of Jobs and Family Services for 2020 and you didn't get any unemployment benefits from them, you know, you're impacted. And, and so you need to... Um, you know, you need to take some action and we've got some guidance on on how you can go about doing that because the IRS will expect you to pick that up in your tax return unless those 1099s are rescinded. Scary stuff with all the, the cyber, uh, you know, cyber crime out there and ransomware yeah. and all that, you know. It, it, you you can't let your guard down for a minute. And, you know, we, we see it within our own firm in terms of the emails you get and <laughs> particularly this time of the year, you know, where we're expecting people to send us stuff and and the, the natural inclination is just to click that attachment because you think it's, a, you know, some kind of source document you've been waiting on and it could be something worse. 
Yeah, it's not. That's for sure. So speaking of of bad stuff, we're into obviously getting into the the throes of, you know, deadlines and and all that. And uh, you've got any good good horror stories for us or or recommendations? If you don't want to go to the dark side, uh, recommendations as we get into the the meat of the season here? Well, you know, so with anything that, that, you know, it's just another year of Accountants Full Employment Act, the, you know, the changes that are out there and the guidance, you know, across the the broad spectrum of the things that you've talked on, touched on PPP and and, uh, retention credits and, you know, changes to forms, you know, it, it, be patient with us as your CPA. You know, we, we need to get it right. We want to get it right. But in order to do that, it's probably going to take longer, perhaps, than it has in the past. You know, the, the good news is that, you know, we don't have an extension. We didn't need an extension of, of busy season. Nobody wants that. But I guess the bad news is, is you know, we're halfway through it and, and 415 is around the corner and there's there's still much to be done, you know. And as a couple thoughts, you know, that are maybe uh, tax and, and maybe not necessarily tax related, but just so listeners may be aware, in case they didn't see it, the um, there was some uh, leeway passed as a part of that CAA with regard to flex spending accounts, mm. both the medical and the uh, and the dependent care. Because as you as you may know, those tend to be they are use it or lose it. So you've you've you know made pre-tax contributions through your employer over the course of a year. You've so you've built up a savings account that you can then use to, in the case of the medical, to on qualifying you know medical expenditures. And if you don't use it within a certain period of time, then then you lose you lose that money. And and while you didn't pay tax on it, you know you you also don't have it. <laughs> Right. Um, and, and it came out of your salary. So it, it definitely, you don't want to lose it. And with everything with COVID and being shut down and maybe not being able to see your doctor or have procedures done, the, the powers that be came out with the ability for the employers, if they amend their plans, because this is a, a qualified plan that will allow the, I guess, extension, if you will, of that use it or lose it for 2020 into 2021, by the end of 2021, and then as you're saving in 2021 into 2022. Mm. So you've got time to, uh, you know, to spend that money, which is, which is a good thing. The key is communicate with us, you know, keep us in the loop. I mean, you and I both though, the the biggest problems we tend to run into are, are folks that, you know, it's more the fire aim ready kind of, you know, hey, I did this. Uh, how can we mitigate or how, how do we, you know, plan? Uh, we kind of already affected the transaction, right? Yeah. So. And, and, and there, you know, the, there are clients that we, that we tend to only see or talk to one time a year. And, and, you know, this is probably one of those years of as much as the onus should, is, should be on us too, to reach out as, as we're delivering you know, the, the 2020 return. So we're, we're delivering last year's results, you know, Hey, let's have a conversation about what's going to happen here in 2021 with you, you know, personally, what do you think you've got going on? You know, clue me in so that I, I can help you think through that and, and keep that in mind too, as, as we go through the rest of the year, if something happens in terms of tax legislation, so that we're yeah. not sitting here a year from now, 
well, I did this and now I'm done. Now I'm just learning about it. It's kind of hard to do anything then. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you and I are both involved in, you know, a number of M&A transactions with, with clients. That seems to be just as prevalent as ever too. So, you know, again, make sure you're getting us involved on the, on the front end with that stuff. Yeah, so. I've, I've not seen any real let up in, in M&A. So. Yeah. Good sign. Well, thanks as always, Chris. Appreciate your uh, your wisdom and pleasure uh, we'll, to join you again. Yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, the round of golf and and the the bourbon. Hopefully, like a plan. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, if you want more business tips and insight or hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 